this is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew Beck. Alan. Andrew, why don't you uh, give us a little background on your gaming and whatnot? Oh, where to begin? That's the question. <laughs> um, well, you know, all the way back with the PlayStation 1, basically, was my first console. Uh, you know, nerdy kid li- uh, kid life through middle school and stuff. You get into PC gaming for, like, RTSs and stuff. Um, you know, then PlayStation 3 comes along and you get into Call of Duty and then other games. So, like, uh, Meg was pretty good. The That game had, like, 256 players. That's pretty cool. Um, then, you know, everyone, you know, Elder Scrolls solid solid gaming and then go down the mmmo uh trail for a little bit with eve online spreads uh spreadsheets in space if anyone knows that (laughs) but then you know college happens and you game a little less and you turn into a more uh ea fifa player sometimes with (laughs) dabbling into other stuff but that's uh the brief history there so uh what was our first topic now that we know who andrew is our first topic was riot games coming out with a new game and porting league of legends onto consoles and they were calling it something different than what what it was before correct if i remember correctly they were calling it there's like a west something where was it this is like the worst layout for me to try and read something. <laughs> Anyways, it's coming to uh, multi- a Wild Rift. That's what it is. League of Legends Wild Rift. Um, <laughs> it's coming to consoles, mobile phones, etc., etc. It's going to compete with that Vainglory game that was uh, debuted on yep. the Apple Keynote years ago, which is basically just League of Legends mobile. They just did it before League of Legends did it. And they've got mm-hmm. this uh, Teamfight Tactics, which sounds like Final Fantasy Tactics almost. I'm not sure what to see what that is. Um, That's interesting to me. But the thing I don't understand why they're doing is a digital card game because that market isn't already saturated enough with (laughs) Hearthstone and what uh, Magic the Gathering and a slew of other various popular digital card games. I, I just don't know what market share you can really capture at this point with a digital card game, unless you do something that's totally out of the blue, different than everybody else. What do you think, they Andrew? They can capture all of it. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I, the digital card game space is, just, yeah, overcrowded, and I, I think they would have to be going for the casual gamer in that, in that case. More like Hearthstone. Definitely not going to be competing with Magic the Gathering or something. But it's like, I don't know. I hate that because I wish they would do more like card games that already have a physical physical existence and they would just give you a digital copy when you bought it. That's my that's what I dislike about Magic the Gathering too. They want you to buy both physical and digital. Give you like a QR code on the back of the card. Yeah, you know they do it with movies and stuff all the time too. If you just you know maybe pay an extra penny and give you the digital copy would be worth it i think but they make too much money it'd be just like the amiibos right scan the card get it digitally Mm -hmm. i mean they're clearly going i was gonna say they're 
Go ahead, Andrew. You're not done yet. I, 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 done. I, I was Sorry, just going to say, they're, cl- they're clearly going for the children that, you know, spend money on card packs, and that's basically their market. I'm just waiting for the Fortnite card game. Oh, no. Don't give them the idea. <laughs> what do you think, Will? What's going to happen with this? I think it's either... It's going to be like a Sega with the Genesis situation where they end up taking a huge chunk of the margin or margins away from the other uh, couple card games that are really popular right now or it's going to just get a couple players and it's going to sink hard and fast like the Fable Fortune game I was telling Andrew about this earlier uh, where although it has a really good name attached to it and it's actually a decent game um, it basically has like 20 people who play it daily it's like nothing you can look it up on Steam there's almost no one playing it Fable Fortune. Is it, but is it's, it it's Hearthstone is influenced. Yeah, it's, it's oh, Hearthstone, no. but Fableized. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also get this on console. But is it, is uh, it's actually one, free to play. Is this the one that's made by the previous uh, lead director of um, Halo Infinite? No. Oh, okay. What but he, he, did, he was there during that time, so I guess he did oversee this. Oh, this is like... Um, what Castle the Castle Crashers franchise did almost very similar, uh, except that was that was a little bit better. What was that called? Um, not Castle Crashers. I'm sorry, Clash of Clans. Um, they do oh, that, yeah. that uh, ca- defend your castle thing. I don't know what name of that was. I don't either. But uh, Battle Royale. Uh yeah maybe. Something like that. Oh, there's so many of those now that I can't remember. Either way, that was a lot cooler because it's almost like a Defend Your Fortress game. But this kind of mm. looks like it. But I guarantee you, it's just like five monsters fighting two monsters or something, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's awesome. essentially it's it's just a trading card game. Uh, it's really straightforward. It's really easy to pick up. But again, it, it's a well-made game. It has a cool name attached to it, so it has a Fable franchise. But because the market was already oversaturated, it just you know, died on impact essentially. So I died dead on arrival. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, that, that I, does. That well, one looks like they were aiming for kids because they're animating the cards. Right. Yeah, they do, and it, it's actually there's cool audio to it too. So it sounds like Fable, um, and it looks like Fable, um, but it didn't save it. So. Hmm. Um. So I think we're all in agreement. The card game market is oversaturated, but the other couple of games it looks like they're releasing might be more interesting. So cool! It's like three, four. I think it said four new games coming out, and then they're porting the old one, the League of Legends, to the other consoles, calling it Wild Rift. Um, the other, yeah, I'm top- actually oh, interested ahead. in that. I'm pretty excited about it coming to consoles. That's cool. The other uh, topic we had for today was to discuss Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, let's just—I'll just give you the facts that I've got so far. It's going to release on November fifteenth. That's all I've got. <laughs> it's a single player Here's Star Wars the only game. fact that you really need to know. Well, there's two. One is made by Respawn, so that's a happy moment for me. Then you realize it's published by EA, so that's a sad moment for me. <laughs> um, so I'm really torn on this game because I, I love the Star Wars franchise pre-2017. And then um, I also love Respawn. Uh, I think they're a really good game developer. But EA sucks. <laughs> so... Um, I'm just going to wait to see. I'm going to wait a couple months to see how they manage to choke microtransactions into a single-player game um, and what the reviews say. Uh, I'm interested. I'm probably not going to buy it day one. By you, Andrew. 
Uh, definitely not a day one purchase. You have to wait for legitimate reviews since um, <clears throat> Disney uh, buys reviews from critics. So <laughs> just look at the movies. But um, no, Marvel. like, yeah. Also, uh, don't EA, bring up Captain <laughs> EA has totally, you know, declined allowing games that should have been successful from proceeding forward. Is this one of the ones that they canceled at one point and no. brought back? I forget. That was, so they um, canceled no. one that was, was that actually really good. Yeah. yeah. You're right, Chris. Star Wars 20, is like 2313 or something? Or like, yeah. Yeah, 1313 13 or something like that. It's oh, the level of the... You're right. You're right. But like that was a game that looked really promising and EA was like, just can't have that with a Star Wars title, so just canceled it yeah that was no, the, a mistake in my opinion a big mistake but, but here's the important news that people are missing too is all the rumors with the playstation 5 being backwards compatible all the way guess what star wars battlefront 2 become the good one becomes the mm-hmm. best game to own again just saying <laughs> yeah true. no that's true i mean if the ps5 legit legitimately plays all generations of star wars games um then, aside from like some of the Microsoft or Sony or Microsoft Sony, Microsoft or Nintendo exclusives, you're looking at a great library of Star Wars games to be able to play on one console from that spans five generations of consoles. Um, also, it's just it's just embarrassing though that EA hasn't given a good Star Wars title really, because every fan in existence would be if they just reprinted. Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, they were told heavy. that from day one. Yep. And instead they're like, yo, let's make it not near anywhere near as awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll make Darth Vader a uh, microtransaction. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of all things. <laughs> I will say one thing, like, even if this game ends up being amazing, one thing I'm disappointed in is that I can't change up my character. I would like to be able to play as an alien or something. <laughs> I don't understand that choice. I mean, it would be so easy to have a character creation screen. Um, yeah. And then anybody can be any weird whatever thing they want to be. I could be Jabba the Hutt for all I care. But that yeah, would be a, exactly. be a horrible character to play as for a Jedi, but I could. <laughs> or at least make him look like me a little bit more. Give him like a beard or something. Seriously. Like, <laughs> it, I feel like it should be so simple to put something like that in. That's the weird thing about EA recently, though. They got very um, possessive over their storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, like, even in something as silly as FIFA, like, they did the uh, pro player story with Alex Hunter as their as their character when they could have just made that a name and let you create your character however you wanted, but they're trying to be artistic now or something. <laughs> I, because they're, maybe they're just sick of losing to Activision in Call of Duty as a storytelling thing, but I don't know. It's That's their new trend. I'd be willing to bet it has more to do with Anthem not having a controlled story um, and then Maybe. the amount of backlash they received for not writing a good story. I mean, but you still, even with Mass Effect, when they had good story writing in place, one and two, I'm not going to count three, um, <laughs> I mean, they gave you a female and a male shepherd. I mean, yeah. Also, me, full. Like, at the they very had full least, character. do that. Yeah, yeah, they did. They had full character customization too. So it was, I mean, it was still like a very narrated backstory, 
but it had a couple options, and you still got to make your character how you wanted to be. True. Yeah. Which they've gotten rid of the choice, a lot of the choices now, I guess, but... Even if you had a couple of preset characters, it'd be better. At least you have some option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like give me, uh, give me some uh, Knights of the Old Republic characters, the Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would just take that game, upgrade all the assets to HD, and then fix some of the minor mechanic issues, and then just give me Knights of the Old Republic one and two. Complete games, HD, current generation. That would be like the greatest re-release of all time. Make it multi-platform too. Don't make it a Microsoft exclusive unless you have to. <laughs> I'm cool with it being Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the Xbox uh, fanboy. Yeah, um, exactly. Although it is on Windows, so I guess it's not entirely console exclusive. It would be mm-hmm. um, PC as well. So, um, so given that we've obviously got some certain disgust with EA owning the Star Wars franchise with Disney. Um, what are your favorite games, Star Wars wise, that have come out over the years? Pod Racer. I was going to say that. <laughs> about you, Andrew? Uh, I mean, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was just fun, because I feel like just the friends in the room aspect to it, too, when it came to that multiplayer back then, there's just, you know, so much nostalgia and memories with that. Right. I have to agree with the Pod Racer choice, although unfortunately it only came out on the N64, the Dreamcast, and it was recently re released on Steam. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, they took the N64 version and essentially just made like a emulator around it. Like somebody took apart the package and said, This is literally the N64 game. <laughs> <laughs> And then they did re-release the technically sequel version called Pod Racer Racer's Revenge, or uh, Star Wars Racer's Revenge. I'm not 100% sure on the title of the game, but it's on the PS4, and I believe Limited Run Games actually released a physical copy of it. And I, I almost picked it up, but I don't like Racer's Revenge nearly as much as I liked the original yeah, Pod Yeah, you said Racer. that before. I mean, it's basically just Sebulba. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, they just re-released it. So it's on the PS4. They even have a physical copy of it. Um, but it just isn't as good as the original game. And they took out Pod Racers. They took out some maps. They took out some championships. I mean, it's literally like half the game in there versus the N64 <laughs> Dreamcast version. Uh, I've heard from many people the Dreamcast version is technically the, the definitive version. But it's... Like, yeah, well, it's- much more powerful system, so it makes sense. Right. So they basically emulated the N64 version on the Dreamcast. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, so you can get on Steam, get on PS4, um, and if the PS5 comes out and it's backwards compatible with everything, then you just put your PS2 disc right into your PS5, or you put the PS4 disc right into the PS5, and boom, you're good to go. Um, but mm-hmm. that's my favorite as well, unless you include Knights of the Republic, which is my only other... Uh, Star Wars game that I give a lot of time to, and I've played it in the last like three years or so, and I'm still sad that three never came out. Yep. I mean, that would be an amazing reveal for this E3. It just every time I see Nitro Republic three teased in a picture, somebody like trying to mess with me, making putting these pictures together, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> what could have been? Such a good good game for Star Wars. Um, 
Did you ever play that, Andrew? I I did not. No. It's it's just really good. Um, but if if nobody has anything else to say, I think we can end this uh, Monday Manic Monday with uh, that. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. <laughs> and we will see you on next Grillcast. Toodles. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Andrew, your guest today. And today is Tuber Tuesday. Will, what do we do on Tuber Tuesdays? On Tuber Tuesdays, we usually review a YouTuber that we like. Um, and this week, we are going over DW Relive. Relive? Relive. Relive, because you're reliving okay. all <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I get it, yes. So we um, actually had him on as a special guest last week. Um, and we decided to surprise him by reviewing his channel this week. Yeah. So uh, I didn't notice he had this really awesome description, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Uh, it says, Hey, everyone, DW here. I've been gaming since the early 90s, and I finally decided to share all of the amazing experiences I have had while doing it. Expect to see videos on mostly retro games, but if there's enough interest, then I will branch out to more modern ones. I try to post once a week and hope that I can introduce you to some of the older games that have inspired the new games that we have today. Try to respond to all feedback left on my videos, which he does do, and I'm open to constructive criticism. If you watch reviews that are on the channel, you'll notice that we do not have one to ten ranking system. Having a moment that people can connect with, I think, will be better will better serve you an idea of what it will be like to play the game. Every review we do will get a relive moment. I'm looking forward to entertaining you all. And uh, I have to say I find him very entertaining. As the channel grows, he'll get more power to the community set rules for the channel, which, by the way, he just got a subreddit created for him, um, and he's going to make a video to explain how this will work. I'm assuming he's going to use the subreddit, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yep. um, he's got some really entertaining videos, um, whether you really like old games or not, but he started with uh, his Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, if you live in Japan. And uh, he's done six videos since then, with the most recent one done five days ago. He's actually picking up subscribers pretty quick, because he's only been on this uh, video kick for the last, like, two months, and he's already got 136 subscribers, so he's doing something right. Share your secrets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to ride his coattail straight to the top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, he said his first video, Final Fantasy III, actually captured all the footage for that, somewhere around three years ago, and he just finally got around to posting it. <laughs> he told us that in our last podcast, so um, I'm just going to pull yeah. it up so you guys can kind of see what his style looks like. Um, but uh, I 100% recommend checking him out. He's very witty. Um, I already ate it. <laughs> he, he's extremely witty. He's uh, He just goes through the video very... Um, how, how do I describe this? He's got he uses the omnipotent voice uh, voiceover to describe, do the video game, so you don't see his face, um, and for the most part, all you're seeing is gameplay with some animations like this cross out with the six there, 
Um, he just throws overlay animations. Like, he throws a wizard cap on Hero, the Heroes Quest video when he says he's a magic user. Um, and he, he describes kind of what's going on on the frame, but gives you a backstory, a little history of the game. It's probably the best way to do retro gaming for this old of a game for a, re for a review. Uh, what was your take on his content, Andrew, since you're the only one coming in blind on this? Well, I mean, he's he's the audiobook experience of old retro games. That's the best way I would say it. I mean, he has a good voice for it, too. And, I mean, I, f I get the vibe that he would be a good, like, dungeon master for D&D &D <laughs> if he's ever dabbled. But, um, yeah, I, it's not necessarily the style of video I personally like to watch um, on YouTube just because I'm not really big on watching a full-on walkthrough of a game. I like to experience those for myself usually, but given the fact that it's mostly old you know, games that you're reliving the experience of, it, it works. Yeah. Well, Maybe not necessarily something I want to play, so <laughs> though everyone says it's a great game, so this is a great way of experiencing it, uh, is through this format. Yeah, it's the, like I said, an audiobook version, basically, of the game. So, uh, just a little background on, on DW in general, DW Relive. Um, he said that him and his brother started this channel together, so his brother gives him a lot of ideas for the videos. Um, but he does take requests. Like, if you message him on Reddit, he's the same user name as what he's got on here. He does take requests for uh, videos to do. Like, uh, I suggested he should do uh, Hexen on the N64, so we might see that come out at some point. Um, that's a game that I myself have tried playing and found it to be extremely difficult to understand what's going on. What? Hold on a second. I like that animation. What was that? I, I want to see this now. What is that on the right <laughs> side? <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I literally just watched this today. I don't remember that being in the video at all. <laughs> so this game in general, like I, it was so cool seeing this on his channel because when I was a kid, uh, both of my sisters played this, not that game, uh, they played Heroes Quest. Um, and they played King's Quest, all the Sierra Entertainment online games. And uh, hearing, going over it again was, it literally was like feeling like I relived those moments when my sisters would play these games. And I just sit there and watch, like, what is going on? You know, like, <laughs> I didn't really understand it at the time. I was like, I don't know, five. <laughs> and uh, they were like in their teens already. So they, they really understood what was going on. And I had no, no clue. Mm. But they would play these games, yeah. and I remember seeing um, this particular. There's a particular scene I remember seeing a lot. I think it was this one, where they're like in the woods, or like then there's the one with the witch. I saw the witch a lot too. Let's see if I can get to it. Oh, this scene, yeah, this one too. So like, I just remember all these scenes. I just I never put it together in my head what was going on in any of these scenes. Oh, he's fighting a bear. <laughs> um, but this this Looks scene, like a big ferret. This is like, because my sisters thought like, "Ooh, try this," and they like type type it in. Because it's a text parser, so like literally look in the text to see what happens when you type something, which is a very weird mechanic to have, which you definitely wouldn't have nowadays. It would just give you choices like Mass Effect, where it's like select one of four choices. <laughs> but my sisters would just sit at the computer for hours, just trying to figure out what they could type in. Do they still make games like this? Because I feel like this is a lost genre. 
It pretty much is. And like like I was saying before, he does um little antsy overlays on top of the games. Like that takes time to edit. Um, he spends mm-hmm. a lot of time on these videos. I have to imagine he spends hours and hours on these videos. Um, so I think he said in a different podcast he was on because he actually was on a different podcast than ours too. Well, by the way, we weren't we weren't the exclusive podcast. Ah, unacceptable. <laughs> and he, he told, signed an agreement. <laughs> he told the other guy um, that he usually spends about twenty hours per video, and only about four of it is on background research for these games, which is how he gets all his little tidbits on like this happened during the production of the game. Um, the developers did this, like for example, on the Loom video. Um, he did a lot of background uh, checks for that game to see why the sequel never came out and why the game kind of ended on a cliffhanger. And it, he just kind of goes above and beyond what a normal just playthrough would be. Gives you kind of yeah. some background. Like he said that the reason Loom didn't get a sequel, for example, um, was because LucasArts technically owns it, and at the time the developer was not even remotely interested in continuing with <laughs> the game <laughs> series, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Tuber Tuesday. We recommend you guys check out DW Relive. Do you have anything to add to that, Will? No, I also recommend it. I don't think Andrew does. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's it's not that. I I think if you like walkthroughs and like a little bit of a history lesson with a good story yeah. of something you played once, I think that's a great channel to check out. And uh, if you want to hear two hours of him talking with us, <laughs> unrelated to what he does, <laughs> right? Unrelated to what he does, but. He, uh, he was featured on our uh, podcast from last Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Two hours of us reviewing small YouTube channels. I, I highly recommend you check this video out if you want to see a bunch of content creators that you probably would never see otherwise. Yeah. And us. And us. <laughs> For two hours. <laughs> Give us the watch time. And do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but as always, uh, I'm Chris. I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. And we will see you next Curlcast. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. And today, Will, what, uh, what's today? It's Wild Card Wednesdays. What do we do on Wild Card Wednesdays? We uh, normally pick a random topic, or uh, maybe at some point it'll be a user-submitted Wild Card mm-hmm. Wednesday topic. I don't know, we'll see. we got a subreddit going that's pretty much dead. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. This week, uh, I picked the topic. Um, it's a topic that I find very interesting is the idea of a reboot for Back to the Future and whether or not we think any studio in Hollywood is actually capable of making a good Back to the Future reboot. Um, it's essentially, my idea is a continuation of the original story starting with the death of Marty McFly, um, the estate being passed down to his grandchildren who inevitably find the old DeLorean. Um, maybe they would end up putting the DeLorean parts into a new car. That way they don't have to keep using the DeLorean, but 
that, that's minor it's details too, at that point. It's too classic, though. You have to use DeLorean. I mean, yeah, pr- preferably. It's, but. it's like not using a lightsaber and using something else. <laughs> I don't know. Depends, depends how much an out-of-company pays for, you know, the new car to be sponsored. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, but basically, my thought process is they, they eventually get this car to work. Uh, they go back in time to where Doc Brown currently is because that actor is still alive and functioning well. Um, and uh, the story would unravel from there, but eventually Doc Brown would tell them about their grandpa who had been mysterious their whole life. Um, and somebody would overhear the story being told, um, probably try to change the future. So the legacy of the family of the person who hurt, overheard it would have changed significantly. Similar to, was it number three, where... Um, uh, what's, what's his uh, nemesis's name? I, I can never remember his name. Um, so it's oh, the B. Um, I'm blanking. So am I. I'm blanking too. Is it, is it um, Biff? So is it Biff? It's Biff. It's Biff. Biff. Yeah. It's so right. like somebody like Biff. Um, maybe it would just be Biff again. I don't know. But uh, the legacy of the family that overheard would be a rival of them in school or something like that. And they would end up being this rich and powerful family. And you'd, they'd go back in time to fix that. And then. Probably go to the future just for fun, just for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> Ride on a hoverboard, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. They go to 2077, you know, not 2020 or 2015 or 2012, whatever year it was. Yeah, it's tw- uh, it was 2015. Was it? 2016? Yeah. Something like that. Well, they, got, they have to explain that, that, you know, none of those things actually came to fruition. They could explain it. That's super they easy to up. explain. All you no, have but to say the, is that whatever Mar- whatever Marty McFly did to fix the timeline changed the timeline. Yeah, that's no, all you got to do. That's, but that's the thing too. You can the the problem with this is it writes itself way too easily. Mm-hmm. So like, just look at the Cubs. The Cubs win, but they win by like the year later, right? Yeah. So the kids going back in time mess it up, and then them fixing it, they're like. Oh, thank God we fixed it. But <laughs> oh, it's a year later. It, things like that write the story, but that's why no studio is capable of making it. It's too easy. It's, and it's such an easy money grab, and a lot of nostalgia could go right into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's too easy, so they'll try to like do Change other it. stuff with it to yeah, and make like their creative touch or. I don't think they're capable of handling time travel well without adding their opinions of things. So what you're saying is if they try to insert um, some pandering of social justice into the movie, it'll ruin it. Let's just put it this way. They couldn't have done that. They wouldn't, they would not be able to do the third film today with, (laughs) with the whole, you know, out West with the Cowboys and Indians without doing some sort of like, Oh, someone was terrible to, you know, person A was terrible to person B. Now let's like bring that to the future and make sure everyone knows. I don't know. It's, there would have been something. If you keep, they're the, incapable of doing it organically, is what you're yes. saying. Like it's yeah. not so much that in there. It's just the fact that they have to like put it in your face, and that's what the movie becomes. It's yeah. an organic, you know, actually learning a lesson type thing. Yeah, instead of just showing it, they have to like spell it out. There was actually a continuation of the story done um, by Telltale. Did you guys know that? Did not know this. Oh, no. yes, I did. It's a video game. There's a Telltale video game um, done in the Back to the Future universe. Uh, and it is technically a continuation of 
the game, the the franchise, um, which could throw a wrench in my plan. And I just thought of this just <laughs> now, uh, but I don't think it does anything way outside. But is of, it canon? It is. It is. <laughs> oh, okay. That that's the only way Telltale agrees to do these is if they make it canon to the story. Like um, technically, the Borderlands uh, Telltale game is canon to the Borderlands. Um, Borderlands trilogy. Well, Telltale Borderlands go- is gone now, so I don't think they will have much. Say. Did you not watch the Billy Viznov uh, podcast, Will? I did. Telltale's resurrected. What? Yes. So Telltale Games um, exists again. Uh, somebody Someone bought, buy them. Somebody bought the okay. actually one of the original like creators of Telltale has essentially bought out the entire company's franchises. And brought on most of the original staff to remake the company. That's super exciting. Do they still have the same contract with Netflix and stuff, or no? I'm not sure on that, but they are making Wolf Among Us two. They are going to continue. I think. I think they're going to continue the Batman stuff and the Walking Dead oh, franchise awesome. is owned by them now too. Which I don't know if they'll do anything with it since it's basically done. But um, yeah, Billy went into it in big details. I was really surprised uh, what is happening with it. I don't know a lot about it. I just know that it's... Sorry, Billy. If you're watching this, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be so. fine. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's basically coming back as a different company. I just can't remember what the the new name... Over oh, right here. LCG Entertainment. That's the new name. Um, so the, one of the... Like I said, one of the top people at Telltale bought out whatever was left of the company and hired a bunch of the old um, the old people that were working there form, the former employees of Telltale so good news there so the important question is what was their game with regards to Back to the Future oh the story what did okay. it, Back to yeah the what, what did it, Marty end up doing in that he went back in time again um, he was okay. let me see I'm trying to remember what uh, here it is. This will give us at least a plot summary. I, I, it's been so long since I played it. So, it's after Doc Brown disappeared. Um, they were foreclosing on Doc's home. He went and... Go- oh, that that's how he gets the DeLorean. So that actually fits my storyline altogether, because uh, the DeLorean was supposed to... Um, Stay in the past, wasn't it? Right, but the duplicate was found. It, that actually helps. So there's a duplicate DeLorean okay. time machine in the in the game. Um, that Doc had kept secret from Marty. Um, and essentially, the game ends with Doc and Marty both arriving in 1986 and discover that in the new post-time travel timeline, there's no estate sale because Doc's reconciliation... Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of changes a lot of things. Uh, but Marty... Could, I mean, my, I think the timeline could still work. But yeah. where they just they just say this game isn't canon. One or the other. Well, I mean, at the end of the at the end of the day, it's all time travel, right? So you can it, it doesn't matter. Itself. Anything can change it at any moment. Yeah, let's right. look at the X Men games or games, the X Men movies. That's true. Or, or you could even make you could even make it happen before the before this, and this is like the game is the ending because of the oh, timeline. Man. But then, how does that work with Marty McFly's uh, grandkids finding the DeLorean? Because they change it where they never find the DeLorean. Ah, that's true. Um, the other option. See, it they, writes itself. The other option <laughs> the they could do is a prequel, 
to the entire Back to the Future series um, with Doc Brown and his time traveling experiences pre Marty McFly. Had he done that? No, I thought but, he didn't but, really achieve. Hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. All right, so he obviously had the ability to use the DeLorean, right? So he could have changed his own past. That would be kind of, actually that'd be kind of cool to see Doc Brown going back and saying, "Hey, you idiot, <laughs> fix these things about your life," and then maybe he never invents the time machine, and that ends the Back to the Future series altogether. Mm, no, <laughs> I'm not feeling that one, but. Okay. Like I said, there's just so many possibilities, though. Yeah. The only thing yeah. you can't do is you can't bring back the original actor for Marty McFly. So you have to find a way to make him go away. I mean, he can do a little bit, but really, he's he's yeah. like so outside of acting at this point. And um, maybe donate the proceeds of the movie towards uh, is it Lou? Is it Lou Gehrig's Parkinson's? Parkinson's. Hey, I think you're forgetting something here. Look what they did with uh, the last Star Wars movie, and no. You know, Princess Leia is no. just there from now on. Come on. No. Nope. <laughs> let let they him. They can have the grandkids go in and, like, interact with the scenes of the old movies. I realize okay that's probably been done. I'm okay with that. But, like, maybe they would do something and it would cause the scene to happen the way it did. Yeah. So, like, they are there the whole time. You just never realized it. That would be kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. You could have so much nostalgia. I, I'm just saying, as far as a franchise goes... This could be one of the biggest hits of the next five years if they do it right. Now, the question is, is there a studio in Hollywood that could even remotely accomplish this, given the current state of cinema? I think not. Obviously, Disney is really good at reviving franchises. Ugh. If you'd asked me me after episode seven, I would have said yes. After episode eight, Really? No. That was terrible from the beginning. But there's so it was enough nostalgia they played off of that it worked, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean they don't have a creative bone in their body and they still made it Marvel and Star Wars universe. That's what like that's all the humor. Yeah. Disney Disney can't write anything since they went down so basically if you look at it they they prototyped it with Pirates of the Caribbean. They mm-hmm. perfected it into Marvel universe. And now that's their only writing style, is knee slap humor that they like. Don't just say a joke in a serious manner. They say a joke and then be like, "Hey, did you get it? Did you get it?" Yeah, I definitely so, agree with you on episode eight. I <laughs> felt like that was just a, a weird Marvel in, introduction to a Star Wars movie. It's, yeah, we can go on but, length about that movie and how much. I yeah, I mean, nostalgia. Nostalgia saved the first one. That's Here's the, the only question. reason. Who owns the rights to Back to the Future at this point in time? Was that I Warner think. Brothers I th- or Universal? I thought Lucas Arts owned it at one point in time. Oh no, Universal. So it would be okay. um, it'd be on the DC's DC. No, DC's not Universal, is it? No, nope. that's Warner Brothers. So Universal. Brothers. The reason, actually, now I've got a lot of confidence that they can do it. Because Universal did Jurassic World, and if they wouldn't have done Jurassic World 2, just like Disney, if they wouldn't have done Episode 8, um, I'd be all on board with a reboot. And of course, they're hey, going to... I like Jurassic World 2. I liked it, was it very different. but a lot of people didn't. I straight up teared up when that uh, Brontosaurus died in the smoke, man. Okay? <laughs> no, I, I, I was so sad. <laughs> look, well, I'm with you, but I know tons of people that did not like Jurassic World 2. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a very weird movie. It was like a mount, cat and mouse movie. And a, yeah. It was weird, but yeah. This this might sound strange, but I feel like HBO could probably do a decent job of something like that still. Like a miniseries? More in, like in a TV series version, yeah. And do a six-parter yeah, like, six, six on Back to the Future? Yeah, because they're really good with con- like with a story that's been written. Um, they usually are pretty good to the source material. Mm-hmm. It's when they have to get really creative that you get some weird stuff sometimes. Like but finishing Game of Thrones on their own? Y- yeah, I'm, I'm still salty, but that's uh, <laughs> not the topic. Okay. Right, 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 right. Uh, no, but like if they have the quality backstory and stuff to work with, and all the content basically writes itself. HBO knows how to print money yeah. in a TV series, <laughs> so they're could, obviously going to do it right. Can you imagine if HBO just announced, like, introducing the next Back to the Future miniseries on HBO exclusively? I mean, they'd be like reining in HBO Go subscriptions and HBO Now subscriptions like crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, right now they are looking for things too because mm-hmm. they purchased they did purchase the rights to his Dark Materials, and I forget who who made that um, into the Golden Compass movie. Oh, okay. So they are in a like a war path to accumulate uh, new like material to make TV series now that they lost Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think they were making two new Game of Thrones. Uh, shows they have the Watchmen show out now. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, yeah. yeah, and then the Dark Materials, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, his Dark Material, the Dark Materials one is coming out next month. So, oh no, I'm more excited about Watchmen. I, I loved the Watchmen movie, and I was sad that they never did anything with it after that. I was like, come on, this is such a good franchise. <laughs> they but, advertised it during Game of Thrones. I'm surprised you didn't hear it. I literally just watched Game of Thrones. And every episode, I basically went to bed right afterwards. So, (laughs) (laughs) anyways, um, after they did Westworld really well, I think if they got, but you know what, if they're gonna do Back to the Future, let's keep it like kid friendly, unlike every other HBO series ever. There has to be nudity or some blood in at least three episodes, or otherwise HBO will not show it. Because because if you (laughs) that's the I think that's the biggest problem with with content nowadays. You cannot watch these big. Like high budget TV shows with your kids. If they could get well, Back to the Future where you could watch that with your kids, come on. If you don't have many people who just buy that just because it's the, the nostalgia. Share it with your kids. I mean, those two things I right think, there are enough. That's how that's how Jurassic World got everybody into the theater. But I think they would. I think they would do that. I mean, you gotta remember, isn't it HBO? Don't they own uh, Sesame Street too? Like, I'm just saying they do have. They do own Sesame Street. They too. own <laughs> Sesame Street, so they yeah. do know how to do well, family-friendly stuff. I'm I just, just don't want to like... see it ruined for that reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, if, if a studio wants to take our idea we just kind of hashed out today on this podcast, by all means, take it. <laughs> I mean, I will happily sign on as a consultant if they want to pay <laughs> yeah. sign the Sign the Krillcast as your consultants. <laughs> And uh, if that's all you guys have, then uh, we'll, we'll call it we'll call it a wild card Wednesday. I think it's a wrap. That's a, yeah, I'm good. As always, I'm Chris, and I'm Will, and I'm your guest Andrew, and we will see you on the next Curlcast.
this is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about um, both the Power Glove as what it existed in the beginning, and whether or not uh, maybe Nintendo should make it as an accessory for the Switch, or maybe something like it. Uh, that's our throwback Thursday topic. Uh, you want to give us a quick, brief overview of what you think of it, uh, Will? Of what I think of the Power Glove in general, or about it bringing, bringing it back? Maybe I should just give a quick description of what it, like the brief yeah. recap I always give in the beginning. Um, so it was released in Make 19- sure everyone knows what it is. It was released in 1989 <laughs> for the original uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it was marketed as this glove you could wear to play games on your NES um, more efficiently and in a much more cool fashion. Um, it's been basically reviewed by every big re- game reviewing channel. AVGN, Gaming Historian, I think JonTron did a video on it. Um, but countless, countless, countless YouTubers have already covered what it is and how it works. So um, my favorite video probably on it was the Gaming Historian video, which is what you're seeing footage of yeah. right now. Um, it's widely uh, considered one of the worst ways to play most NES games. <laughs> At least from an official uh, OEM-endorsed um, product. Especially if you're a lefty. Um, yes, yes, impossible. Um, and the question is, should uh, Nintendo slash Mattel make an updated version of the Power Glove, which allegedly the Ring Fit Adventure is kind of a similar idea, but it's only for one game, um, for the Switch or current consoles, or even make a uh, mini console like the NES Mini except this type of a, a controller? Um, and like I said before, Will, why don't you give me your take on it? I think it's very much a product of its time, and it was cool then, and it's like that almost futuristic view that the 80s had of what we thought the future was going to be. I don't think it would do well now. I think <laughs> we already have a, like, the Switch is already pretty cool enough. It already has the, the Joy-Cons you can detach, and it has the motion controls in it, um, so I don't think that it's necessary. Has that ever stopped a company from making an accessory before? No. Would it probably someone would buy? It? I know Chris would buy it. So at least no. one person would buy it. <laughs> okay, um, but I don't think it's necessary, and I don't think it would sell particularly well. Um, yeah, that's my take on it. By you, Andrew. I'm just I'm low key happy that Nintendo has been less gimmicky in its current format with the Switch, being a little bit more serious. Uh, so the power glove is not appealing at all. <laughs> then again, uh, if you had to make a selling point for it, maybe in partnership with a VR experience, because I personally don't like controllers with the way VR is, because, I don't know, it, it just seems like a weird movement experience at that rate. So that would be the only way you might be able to make it work. But you, Nintendo should avoid that at the moment, too. <laughs> have you seen Ring Fit Adventure? I have not. Um, I've seen it. So Ring Fit Adventure is like this... It's not a power glove. And it definitely doesn't look like the power glove. But it's got a similar idea. It's playing a game with the controller, and it's got, it's got fitness involved, which the power glove did not, really. But it's like that ring right there you see. You, you uh, mount the Joy-Con on it. Um, and you can use it to play this RPG. Um, 
slash. Isn't this more the concept is the fitness game is pretty cool and different? This seems like it's very reminiscent of every other peripheral that the Wii had, where you can yeah. attach the Wiimote into a gun or crossbow or this or is anything. Way high, way more advanced than anything the Wii ever had. And I would hope so. That was like ten years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah, and those those like uh, gun attachments and stuff were always terrible. This... Try playing a first person shooter with those, and it was just like, ugh. This has like direct input to the Joy-Con to the Switch, and it, it does a really good job of interfacing with the Switch um, through the use of the Joy-Con. The Joy-Cons, honestly, are like a marvel of modern technology. I, I have to say, I hate using them, but the amount of adapt, the, the amount of um, adaptations they can take on for the Switch is insane. When you look at like Labo, you look at like Raven mm-hmm. Adventure, you look at. Um, Basically, any accessory that can allow you to dock the, the Joy-Cons is insane how many things they can do. And the HD Rumble does work really well. I tested it out with, um, uh, was it, 1-2 Switch. Uh, it worked a lot better than I ever would have expected it to. And you kind of feel like like there's a game where you're like moving your hand um, whoops, to feel where the marbles are going. Like this and that, you could like literally feel from the vibrations where the marbles are physically at really on cool. the game mm-hmm. screen. It was really neat. Um, but thinking about a power glove, I wonder if they could do some kind of adaptation with the Joy-Con that would work well for VR, like Andrew's saying. That would be really different. Mm-hmm. Use the gyros and the switch controllers along with some kind of an attachment in a in an armband. I don't know. And then you could just call it that, the power glove. That is the most awkward thing about like the VR and a lot of those motion controls if you're like with the attachments and stuff is that motion and the attachment don't really work as well. Mm-hmm. At now, least like, from my experience, like I've watched a few of PewDiePie's videos in VR, he just looks so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I mean look at it's him. not natural. Especially because no. like you might not think about it, but you do, like, kind of in your peripherals see your controllers, mm-hmm. which I think is a big thing for just how you're pressing the buttons and stuff. It feels natural because you do see it. You, you don't pay attention to it, but you do see it, and that experience brings you away from it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a disconnect from your controls. So I think we're in agreement. Um, bringing back the actual power glove as an accessory, like, just by itself probably not the best idea not not you wouldn't do like what you did with hypercan with the dupe controller for the original xbox versus uh, or the new controller from the original xbox getting remade for a modern console you wouldn't do that with the power glove but maybe some modern iteration of it involving vr or like something like the ring fit adventure might make sense and it would play on the nostalgia of all the gamers mm-hmm. you guys have anything to go ahead sorry other than just having the power glove, you can have the power gloves. So you can, you know, it would work with both hands. That would fit into the VR better. And also, lefties would no longer be left out. Mm-hmm. And my opinion is just focus on the Switch Pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's between the two. Yeah. Just go with it. Gotcha. All right. Uh, anybody got anything to add to it? No, I'm good. No, so I'm good. Th- 30 years ago, this is the the uh, 30th anniversary since the original Power Glove was released for the NES, and that's this year, 2019. So, 30 years of 
video reviews, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible gameplay, and just all together, people just having nostalgia for a bad accessory for the NES. <laughs> it's probably the most well-known accessory of all the bad accessories for the NES. And, yeah, uh, I would highly recommend seeing this gaming historian uh, video after you watch our video, of course. Yes. Um, because uh, it's actually really cool the history behind making this glove and what it was originally used for and how it was like used by NASA and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but overall, it's a an access- a legacy accessory that can be forgotten um, with very little impact to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. And we will see you on next Curlcast. This is the Crowcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm your guest, Andrew. And uh, this is Fandom Fridays, uh, presented by the Crowcast. We usually um, talk about either our currently playing, our latest pickups, or some recommendations. Well, this week, we're just going to be doing some recommendations. Uh, So we're going to start with Will's recommendation. All right, so I've recently been getting into the Witcher games. I actually beat The Witcher 2, finally. Um... And I decided to actually look at the source material for those games. So uh, looking over those books, and I'm enjoying them a lot so far. So Sword of Destiny, you see the picture here, it's the second book in the series. What I can can gather is actually it's a collection of short stories in each book. Um, I might be wrong on this, but at least the second book is a collection of short stories. And it's essentially the same girl from the the games and it's wonderful uh, seeing him go through the adventures and if you like the games you'll definitely like the books because they're very similar it's just a different medium um, uh, and I'm really much enjoying it so if you're into political intrigue uh, Polish mythology and uh, or the Witcher games which you know include those two things uh, you'll definitely like the books very cool Will mm-hmm. um, definitely a good read since that's what the Netflix series is based upon <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe yeah we'll see what about you Andrew what you got so uh, my recommendation is the TV series The Expanse so this is based off of books I haven't gotten around to reading those yet uh, but the TV series drew me in pretty well because you know S- Star Wars Star Trek you know they're both really interesting uh, stories and you're looking for if you're looking for that fix in the sci-fi space uh, genre. The Expanse is pretty cool. They go for a more realistic take on everything. Something that, if you're being realistic, you could see us in in like the next 50 years or so if you wanted to. As far as the technology goes, like just how people interact on spaceships and the fact that gravity still a thing <laughs> and that 
you know, if you get hurt in space, you're pretty much screwed uh, unless you have gravity. Just little things, little things that make it feel very grounded and yet allow you to dream and imagine the what ifs. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I look forward to reading the books in the near future. I just have to find the time. But the important thing is that Amazon did pick this up from sci-fi instead of letting it die and Jeff Bezos is a huge fan of the uh, book series. So he's making sure that this thing is well funded and I can't imagine it turning bad at that rate cuz he's not going to let it. <laughs> and they're coming out with a new uh season real soon i forget what the release date is but the new season's coming very cool um i can say that uh, i was just looking through some of that information you were just talking about the novels looks like there's eight novels currently in that series so like the tv show (laughs) has an unlimited amount of material to go through and then uh he's working on a ninth one that's going to come out next year so uh, if you are into a series that is continuous and moving forward uh this looks like the series for you if you're into sci-fi Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a book series that's uh, near and dear to my heart. Picked it up in Florida like 15 years ago and read the, the second book on accident instead of the first book. Um, but it's the uh, the Bronze Knight trilogy by John Marco. Um, I actually just finished reading this series like two years ago because I had read the first one and I had read the second one, which is or the, I'm sorry, I've read the second one and the third one. But I never knew what the backstory was behind the series. I didn't read the first one. So, like, I want to say 2017, my brother got me the first book in the series, which is called The uh, Eyes of God. Um, Wow, none of these are big pictures. Um, But I finally read it, and I was like, wow, this really set up the series well. And it was originally supposed to be a trilogy, but then he decided, I'm just going to write a fourth book. Like, (laughs) what? So he's got a fourth book in the trilogy for the Bronze Knight. It's called the Forever <laughs> Knight. It's it's like kind of a side story at the end of the, the series. It's not really expanding it that much. It's really just covering one character. It just happens to be the main character from the series. <laughs> okay. But uh, the premise is there's like all these misfits in the world, um, and they can gain these special powers by going... It's, it's almost like uh, medieval magic and uh, medieval sorcery and like knights and stuff meets like a Harry Potter wizard academy but it's like medieval so it's not it's not modern day with the muggles and stuff so and there, there's no like stigma around the magic other than pretty much only disabled people have magic in this I, it's hard to explain oh. <laughs> it's really let me just <laughs> pull up the um, the uh, oh Goodreads has a good one here that's uh, the forever night so I'll go back to the first one. I'll give you guys the summary of the first book, and then that we'll just call it a day. Let's see. Here it is. So, the backdrop of the story is... Oh, yeah, okay. So, there's, like, this king. Um, he wasn't originally um, a bad king, but he got obsessed with the idea of uh, bringing a library into the kingdom so his, his people... His, um, population would be knowledgeable and then he found out about these like ancient writings that talked of this place beyond the sand and in the kingdom which is like in in the kingdom it's very 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 far away uh so he gets obsessive about going there after he finds out that his uh spouse has a problem that can only be solved by going there i'm not going to give any spoilers away beyond that 
But okay. throughout his journey, he sends his, his BFF, the Bronze Knight, who I'm not going to name, um, and he goes. And in the aftermath of him going, a lot of, a lot of events unfold based upon that. Uh, I really feel like this series would do super well on the big screen, whether it be an HBO series or it, if it were to be made into um, a movie, which would kind of suck because they have to cut a lot of content out of it. But I really recommend this to anybody who likes uh, medieval fantasy with some magic because it's really well written. There's a lot of politics in it that's fleshed out pretty well. Um, a lot of battles that are kind of more realistic other than the magic. Um, and the characters are, are also well written and fleshed out. And I don't think this author, John Marco, gets a lot of a lot of uh, coverage by very many people. As you can see... Yeah. It's the first time I've heard of this author, so... Uh, he's only got like 1,500 ratings for a book that came out years ago versus like a Harry Potter would probably have millions of ratings. Um, but... He's a really good writer. I, I probably will end up picking up his fourth book in this series just because I really enjoyed the first three. Um, and now that I'm actually reading again, because I've been reading through Hardwired, maybe I'll actually finish a book again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if, if you guys are looking for like a medieval with some magic, some Harry Potter Academy, but way better written type books, uh, this is the book for you. And start with Eyes of God, unlike me. <laughs> um, but... That's all I've got for that. Is there anything else you guys wanted to discuss before we uh, finish this weekly podcast? I'm good on my time. Um, yeah, I'm good. I uh, just wanted to say really quickly, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, Andrew. We always appreciate having guests. Uh, they bring a different take on a lot of our plans, and uh, definitely the Back to the Future episode will be very fun for anybody listening. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a good time. If we get some positive reviews from you being on here, maybe you can come back. <laughs> Otherwise, you're dead to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can't make any promises. But let's have low expectations so they can be exceeded. There you go. <laughs> As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I was your guest, Andrew. And we will see you on next Curlcast.